Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. say happy Mother's Day to the moms watching online. And again, let's just keep it going. Thank you to everybody who's watching online this morning. It's a special day, and we are very glad that you are here worshiping with us this morning. I love coffee. And maybe that's kind of mean to say because we're in the gym and your coffee's out there. But I love coffee. And sadly, it was only about maybe 12, 15 years ago that I discovered this delicious goodness that is coffee. Because I served for eight years in the Army, and in the Army, people drink a lot of coffee. But I didn't like the taste of coffee when I was in the Army. But what I did like about coffee was that I noticed that it was when people would tell stories, when people would connect with each other. Um, and so I loved that part. I loved being able to tell stories to my soldiers, have my soldiers tell stories to me, and just be able to connect and have conversations that went below the surface. And so my name is Angela. And Pastor Brian asked if I would share this morning as we are continuing in our God Problems series. Now, for those of you who maybe this is your first time with us, you might wonder why there is a number on the board on the screen behind me, and that's because we are inviting you to connect, to be a part of this conversation, and we all have something that we struggle with, maybe we don't understand, and so we don't keep track of any of the numbers from which the questions come, but we do keep track of every question, and we pray over every question. And while we are not able to get to every question up here on the stage on a Sunday morning, we do take time to read them all and to pray over them. Because again, what I love about this series is just like with coffee, it's a way for you guys to connect and to join in and be part of this conversation. Because that's what I love about coffee. And that's why I started drinking it. Is because I would so much rather just be like sitting down, hanging out with you guys one-on-one, listening to you share your story, have you listen to me share my story, and we would be able to find ways to connect. 
Because we know that as, um, an ACF, as ACF Church, that we, we don't want you to think that we're trying to be up here answering your really deep felt questions in a nice 30-minute sermon and then send you on your way. Okay, good luck. Here's your Bible answer. Here's what the truth says. So just say that to yourself. Give you a little bit of comfort. Just say that to yourself when you're not feeling well. Maybe share it with your friend when they're not feeling well and they need some comfort. These are conversations that are meant to go beyond a Sunday morning. And if you don't have people in your life that you can sit down and share a meal with or drink a cup of coffee with, I really would invite you to go out to the engage table after service and find a life group. Find ways that you can continue these conversations. Because yes, I'm going to look at a couple questions this morning and we're gonna dig into them, but I'm pretty sure that you're gonna leave today with more questions. I'm sorry to tell you, I'll just let you know right up front. And that's okay, because again, this is a conversation that is meant to be continued. And so today we're gonna take a look at Basically, what do we do when God doesn't do what we want him to do, right? Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt let down or left out, disappointed at the way that things had turned out? And so a couple of the questions that were texted in, the first one asked this, why do some Christians struggle more than others? Why is it easier for some and so much harder for others? And the other question is, if God just wants us to be with him in heaven, why not just make us all perfect instead of forcing us through this Hunger Games play? Can you relate? Do you hear the disappointment that is beneath each of those questions. Why does it have to be this way? Something's just not right. And maybe even by wishing the moms a happy Mother's Day this morning, maybe that brought up some deep pain and some hurt in your life. Maybe some of you are disappointed that you can't be a mom. Maybe some of you are disappointed that you are a mom. But no matter where your disappointment lies, what I want you to hear this morning is, I get it. I really do. And like I said earlier, I don't think these are questions that we can just wrap up all nice, neat, and tidy with a little bow, send you on your way. Here's what God's word says. All right, good luck. See you later. Figure it out. That's not what we're trying to do. I would encourage you again Find a way to continue this conversation. Find others in your life that you can sit down, that you can read his truth with, and you can listen to what the Holy Spirit is teaching you. And so that's what I want you to envision today. It's just you, it's me, and we're opening to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8. Now, if you don't have a Bible with you, share with your friend. If they don't have a Bible with them, then I would encourage you to download the ACF Church app. You'll find all of the notes that I'll be using today. 
You can also look up past sermons that we've done before, and you can use that as a resource and a tool. And there's also a Bible that is part of that app. And so today we're going to be in Romans chapter 8. And I love this letter because it is written by a man named Paul who knew something about disappointment. Here is a man who knew trouble. He knew pain. He knew discouragement. He knew that something wasn't right. Things did not turn out the way that he expected them to turn out. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was put in chains. And I love this letter to the believers in a church in Rome. Paul has never met them, but he's writing them this letter of introduction because one day he hopes to get to visit them. And so in these first seven and a half chapters, what he is doing is he's laying the groundwork of the gospel truth. He is telling them the good news. Listen, we are lost and we are broken, but salvation through Jesus Christ is available to all. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter who your parents were. It doesn't matter where you were born or what kind of education you have. Salvation is a free gift available to all. That it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. God's grace, this free gift through faith, through this complete trust and this surrender to Jesus Christ, and for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that when you believe, you are declared not guilty. You are free from the power of sin. You are free from the law. You are free to discover God's limitless love. And so that's what Paul has been telling them in these first seven and a half chapters. And so chapter 8, starting in verse 31 what can we say about such wonderful things as these? So all these things that I've just told you about, I love how Paul starts with this question. All right, what are we going to say about these wonderful things? That salvation is available to everyone, that it's a free gift. And through Jesus Christ and the penalty that was paid on the cross once and for all, you are declared not guilty. So what are you going to say about it? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't God who gave us Christ also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? Will God? No. He is the one who has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? Will Christ Jesus? No. For he is the one who died for us and was raised to life for us and is sitting at the place of highest honor next to God, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? or are persecuted, or are hungry, or cold, or in danger, or threatened with death. 
Even the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all of these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from his love. Death can't, and life can't, the angels can't, and the demons can't. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, and even the powers of hell can't keep God's love away. Whether we are high above the sky or in the deepest ocean, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen and amen. And again, like I said, I love how Paul begins this writing with a question. I've had a lot of Bible teachers tell me that after I read anything in the Bible and after I've taken a look at who wrote it and to whom it was written, what kind of writing it is, you know, is it a letter like what we just read, maybe it's a poem, maybe it's a narrative or it's telling a story, that after I take a look at all of that, that after I read anything, what I need to ask is, so what? So what? And I love that that's what Paul is doing here. I believe that this book is living and active and truth. And so now that I've read these wonderful things, how is that going to change my life? How are things going to look differently when things don't go my way? When God doesn't do what I want him to do? When I have hardships that I encounter, how can his truth, how can his word make my life different and help me? And I love that Paul is doing the same thing. Because again, our life doesn't always look the way that we think that it's supposed to look. I am not much of a reader, but I'll tell you what, I have read a lot of books ever since Pastor Brian um, asked me to share what I'm sharing today. I read some books because I want you to know that I really don't take these questions lightly. And again, I don't think these are simple answers that we can give. It's not very helpful for me to just stand up here and say, well, I don't know. God is God. Have a nice day. It might be true, but it's not very helpful, is it? And so I know that these questions come from a place of deep hurt and deep pain and deep anguish. And I want to honor that, but I also want to honor the truth that our God is a God of comfort and that his word is true and that there is hope. Because why doesn't God just deliver me? Why do I have to go through this? Why can't this just be over? Stephen Furtick has a quote, and he writes that the devil uses disappointment to destroy our faith, while God uses disappointment to develop our faith. Our faith, this complete trust and surrender to Jesus Christ. And I think that if we long to be more mature and to be more like Christ, 
then we need to see disappointment as a time when God can do his greatest work. A book that I read is called Disappointment with God, and it's by a man named Philip Yancey. And I love this book, and I recommend this book, and I love how he defines disappointment as the thing that occurs when the actual experience of something falls far short of what we anticipate. That it's that unfulfilled expectation, right? We think that our life should look a certain way. We think that God should do things the way that are best for us. If God were really love, he wouldn't do it that way, would he? Like, if God were really love, why would this hurt so much? Why would this take so long? Like the question that was asked earlier, if he just wants us to be with him in heaven, why doesn't he just deliver us right now? Another book that I read is called It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. And it's by a lady named Lisa Turkhurst. And again, another one I recommend, and I don't want to spoil it all, but I do think that she makes one very valid point, and I think it can help lay the groundwork in how we deal with disappointment. She reminds us that we are living life right now between two gardens, between the Garden of Eden from the book of Genesis and the one-day Garden of Eden from the book of Revelation. Now, we were created in the context of the Garden of Eden, but that's not where we live right now. Right now, we live in the middle, and in the middle, we know that something's not right. Even Paul reminds us of this fact in Romans, if you go a few verses forward of verse 31 and go to verse 21, Paul writes this, that all creation anticipates the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And even we Christians, although we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, we also groan to be released from pain and suffering. We too wait anxiously for that day when God will give us our full rights as his children, including the new bodies that he has promised to us. You see, ever since Adam and Eve ate from the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, their hearts longed for more. They knew what a perfect relationship with their creator was like. They had enjoyed harmony and freedom and peace and perfection. But then their eyes were opened to the fact that they could not reestablish this relationship on their own. They were the creation and not the creator. We also were created in God's image. And we were created to be captivated. But that's a longing and a desire that only God can fulfill. Think back to that quote about disappointment. 
how the devil uses it, uses things to destroy our faith, but God uses things to develop our faith. We live in the middle, but even in the middle, we are still a part of God's economy and nothing is ever wasted, no matter how big and no matter how small. God is for us. Now, God is for us not only because he sent his only son to pay the price once and for all, but God is for us because God is with us. God made flesh. He became Jesus so that he would live among us and live with us and suffer and experience disappointment right along with us. And like Paul writes, that even the fact that we as believers have the Holy Spirit in us, that is guarantee that we're still in the middle. We haven't reached the end. We're made for so much more. And his Holy Spirit in us is groaning and longing for that time in the garden. He hasn't left us alone, even here in the middle. But instead, he longs for every experience that we have to draw us closer to him. Now, I love candy, almost as much as I love coffee, but I do, I love candy. Sadly, my husband, the smart man that he is, he reminds me that if I always ate candy, nothing would ever taste sweet. Hmm, I like that. But even science confirms that, right? That if you eat so much sugar, that you need more sugar to attain the same level of sweetness and enjoyment. Sadly, if I'm honest with myself, if everything in my life went the way that I wanted it to go, or expected it to go, or planned it to go, while I might think that I might be satisfied, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't need a savior, that's for sure. I could do things on my own. I'd be all right. But I would need more and more to be satisfied. And that's not the way that I was created. I was only created to be satisfied in him. There are things in my life that I never wanted to taste. They were anything but sweet. When I was 15 years old, one of my very best friends died because they found cancer in her leg, 15. She was so nice to everybody. She never had a mean thing to say. She always thought of other people first, but her life was cut short. Two years after I was married, I got pregnant. I was still on active duty. That was not my plan. Nope, I had the four-year plan, not the two-year plan. That is not the way it was supposed to be. I did not want to be pregnant. I did not see being pregnant as a gift. And all I could think about was having an abortion. I never wanted to be stationed in Fort Polk, Louisiana. And I'm sorry for those of you in Louisiana. It's a fine place, but Fort Polk is in the middle of nowhere. And my parents were thousands of miles away. My husband was always in the field, 
and my kids were little and usually stayed within this radius, like they never gave me any space. And really, that's when the doctors are going to find a lump? Really, God? This isn't the way it's supposed to be. Something isn't right. Those are things in my life that I never, ever wanted to taste. But I know that it's only because of those hard times that when the sweet times do come, I'm a little less likely to take them for granted. I'm a little more grateful when the sweet times come. And my faith, still quite shaky. I don't always understand. But I can say that I'm more appreciative. I'm more compassionate. And I taste the sweet just a little bit better. And I don't just think that it's a game that God is trying to play with us either. I love the words written by a man named Peter. And Peter was one of Jesus's three closest friends. Peter had been with Jesus during the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. You can read in Matthew chapter 17 about the transfiguration of Jesus. And basically that was with when Jesus was found on the mountaintop and his glory as God was revealed. And Peter was with him. And Peter was like, ho, ho, let's stay here. This is awesome. I'll even build us a tent. I'll build one for everybody. We're just going to stay on this mountaintop. I love it. Peter was also with Jesus when he went a little bit farther in the Garden of Gethsemane. And when Jesus was shedding tears of blood. And this is what Peter writes. In his kindness. God called you to his eternal glory by means of Jesus Christ. After you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. All power is his forever and ever. Amen. And I get it. Sometimes life can seem like a scary roller coaster of the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Things are going really well and things are really low. But again, God is for us. And in God's economy, even here in the middle, no experience is ever wasted. I would never have written any of that pain into my story. Those are times that I never wanted to taste. But that's because I live in the middle. And I don't see the end. I only see the middle. I see my comfort. I want relief. I want things to just be over. I don't want it to be so hard. But it's only when I look to God and try to see things from his perspective, and try to focus on who he is, that's when I find comfort and peace and joy. There's a quote by a man named Charles Stanley, and he writes that joy is presence-driven 
and not circumstance dependent. And I love that. And I think that you can take that into all areas of your life. That in order to find comfort and freedom and true love, that it's found in the presence of God, not in what is going on around you. So we have a dog who I'm pretty sure is part cat because anytime the sun is shining in our house, that's where you're going to find her laying down, just all curled up in the sun, getting warm. And no matter what time of day it is, I know where I can find her because she's in the sunlight. Hmm, I thought, oh, that's how I need to be. That's how I long to be. That no matter what's going on around me, no matter what my circumstances are, that I'm found in the presence of the sun. Doesn't matter what my friends are posting on social media. Doesn't really matter if I didn't get that job. It doesn't matter what's going on over here. What matters is that I'm found looking up and that I'm found in the relationship with the one who doesn't fail that I want to magnify who he is, that I want to enlarge my awareness of his presence. Another author puts it this way, to change your what ifs to even if. What if my friend does put this on social media? What if that person has it easier than I do? What if this situation never changes? to turn those into statements of faith about who God is. Even if this happens, God is for me. Even if this happens, God is a warrior and he fights. Even if this happens, God is faithful. For me, if I spend too much time in the why, then I miss out on the who. It's when I'm found in his presence that I can truly be still and know that he is God. And that word know, I love it. It means to think carefully, to consider, to remember, to call to mind. And there are a lot of verses in the Bible that remind us the things that we are supposed to think about the things that we are supposed to call to mind and be grateful for, the truth of who God is. Where does your mind go when things fall apart? Do you look this way or do you look up? Do you focus on what is around you or do you focus on who God is? And again, I am not trying to minimize your pain I am not trying to say, oh, just suck it up and just change your thinking. You'll be fine. Come on, just hang, on, hang in there. You'll be okay. What I'm saying is be honest. Be honest with yourself. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay when things don't go the way that they are supposed to go or that you want them to go. Psalm 42 I love this psalm because here is an author who writes these words when he is in a dark place. He's discouraged, 
he's depressed, things are not going the way that he thinks that they should go. But as I read, what I want you to do is I want you to listen to how he calls things to mind. I want you to listen to what he remembers and what he thinks about. As the deer pants for streams of water, so I long for you, O oh God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and stand before him? Day and night, I have only tears for food. While my enemies continually taunt me, saying, where is this God of yours? Do you hear how he is living life in the middle? Verse 4. My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks. It was the sound of a great celebration. He knows what it's like to be in the garden. He knows what it's like to rejoice. And yet verse 5, why am I discouraged? Why so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember your kindness. From Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mazar, I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. Through each day, the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. And through each night, I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. Even in the middle, even in the disappointment, he is calling to mind the truth that God is for him, that God is with him, that he is not alone. Oh God, my rock, I cry. Why have you forsaken me? Why must I wander in darkness, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts pierce me like a fatal wound. They scoff, where is this God of yours? Why am I discouraged? Why so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my savior and my God. What I love about Psalm 42 is the fact that even as he finishes and closes, he is not out of the woods. He's not jumping up and down for joy, like things haven't gotten all figured out. And in fact, he's asking a lot of the same questions that we're asking today. Why do I have to wander in the darkness? Why do other people have it so much easier than I have it? But he remembers that God is for him. He sees and he knows that God is with him. I get it, discipline is hard, but even he is the one who helps us take our thoughts captive and makes them obedient to him. God is for us. Even Jesus says, now in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because he has overcome the world. Amen. Please bow with me. 
God, I just thank you so much that you are here. God, thank you that you are for us, that you love us, that you came to be with us. God, help us to think on the truth of who you are. Thank you, God, for the hope that we have in Jesus. Thank you for the price that was paid once and for all. God, we just ask that you would continue to be our rock. That no matter the storms that blow, God, that you are with us. Thank you for hearing us. Thank you for loving us. And God, as much as we want to avoid disappointment, thank you for reminding us that it can be when you do your greatest work. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray.